So, it's been quite a few weeks, and a lot has changed. Yes, sir. A lot has indeed changed. Praise be to Zeech. <laughs> I guess. There's some good stuff there for Zeech, but uh, I guess uh, there's, all, there's, there's probably some happy armies, players of happy armies, and some players of some very... Or some very unhappy uh, players of arms. Probably our our pointed ear. I I can't say friends because they're not really our friends at all. They're they're more annoyances than anything. Good old Eldar. Uh, good old Eldar. They are. Oh, they're in rough shape right now, along with uh, a couple other armies as well. And uh, a lot of that's just kind of the shape that we're in right now with Ninth Edition because it just I mean, it just came out here in the last four weeks and uh, I mean the dust hasn't even settled they're already talking about uh, new codexes that are going to come out and I think what's become obvious is that uh, we've got basically the rest of the updates to the game are still kind of in the air right I mean we we kind of have an initial foundation of the game and they're letting that settle but we know that there's already going to be massive changes to marines which we're going to get to um changes to other weapons and profiles and things like that so it's kind of like are we even in ninth edition or are we still kind of in eighth edition purgatory that's not even taking the uh they released the updated power ratings for everything which is actually interesting i think we can talk about that some so where's a good place for us to start here because i mean obviously maybe just talk about thousand suns and you know we know that just here recently that they've announced some stuff about the Marine updates and, you know, there's some FAQ stuff that we're going to have to get into. But if I were to, before we even get to that stuff and I were to just say, okay, let's, let's just take a step back and look at the, the army as a whole going into ninth edition. It didn't seem too bad, right? It seems like we got pretty decent point changes all across the board. Um, some units that were struggling before have now become pretty viable to put onto the table. Uh, and I would say, as a whole, the Codex got healthier. Yeah, I think that 9th edition will, at least the core of 9th edition is treated Thousand Suns very well. Um, we weren't as negatively affected by the points changes as many of the other armies. And the adjustments to things, the ability to put units in reserve naturally, for instance, um, this only helps the army. Um, the there were some things that they did FAQ that do sort of hurt Thousand Sons, though some of them I think everyone saw coming. Um, and frankly, I there's a so it's so much changing that wasn't part of the initial release that I, I can't even say with confidence what the game will look like six months down the line because, um, there's a lot the GW is implying a lot of things that will be coming out, like as codexes are released, uh, armies that have relied on certain tactics will instead have a new tools that will be replacing the tactics that they've used. Um, and so I think really we just need to sort of look at what we have now and then we can sort of try to extrapolate from there what they're going to be changing moving forward. Um, yeah, now you can be fair and you can say, you know, They've been true to their word in that the game is still playable. You can still use all your codexes from 8th. You have your rules and your profiles and everything like that. But, 
you know, if I were to go back and look at the original updates they put out and how they kind of pitched what ninth edition was going to be, this feels like a lot more than kind of what we were led on to believe. Um, and as we kind of got more updates along the way, it kind of feels like not that it was bait and switch, but more the downplayed how much has actually changed in the game fundamentally. Now, I do think there was a certain degree of they're trying to apply some damage control um, as things were coming out so that they were, we were primed for the new release, but uh-huh. we weren't fully made aware of all the things that were going to be changing, um, which I think it's a good, it's a decent strategy um, for releasing a new edition, though. It's yeah. a lot like um, the transition from. Oh, not quite as bad, but it reminds me a lot of how they did the transition from Warhammer Fantasy to Age of Sigmar. Um, the we were told that the well things were going to be that bad, and then they took measures to make sure that while we're still in this sort of liminal transitory stage, we can still play the game. But I don't think that the game as it exists at this point in time. Uh, is the true shape the ninth edition will take moving forward, especially with the leaks that they've provided this week regarding the changes to Marines and all other mm-hmm. imperial weapons and even the uh, Xenos weapons. Um, I mean, and a good example is that is just that, you know, we have things like weapon changes, profile changes. Um, you know, they've been very clear that they're, going to build on things that they liked from psychic awakening and maybe take away some things that haven't worked quite well along the web, along the road and combine that with what the original codex was so I'm, I'm sure we'll see some staple things or maybe we don't see some staple things maybe there's some surprises in there where you know hypothetically maybe we see something like veterans of the long war disappear um uh, could you rule that out? Probably not, but I don't. I don't think that's the kind of thing they're going to put on the chopping block. Um, but that kind of sheds light on what we're seeing over the course of the game here, and that what you're what you're used to playing right now. If you were to try and fit, like people are in a state where they can't quite know: Do I need three defilers? Do I need to go out and buy forge fiends? Do I need to load up on scarab occult terminators? And you know, yeah, on the on the bright side of that, people just get to build what they like and paint what they like. That's certainly the case. But to kind of get back to, you know, some of what we've been dealing with right now is you need a motivation. You need some kind of drive to say, hey, you know, my goal is to put, let's say, 90 rubric marines on the table. Well, then I've got to get 90 rubric marines. And, you know, it might be fun to do that as a gimmick, but maybe it's a little bit too much time to invest in something if there's no reward at the end other than just, hey, I painted 90 rubric marines, and that's cool. But at a tournament, you want to be able to show up and actually have that function to some degree, right? Of course. And that's sort of, I think, a lot of... I'm in sort of um, 40k limbo because, so I was, with the beginning of the the quarantine, I was working on finishing out my 2,000 points Harlequin list because Harlequins just went down a whole bunch. Well, now they've gone back up a bit, a little bit, and the with the changes to certain like rules regarding lookouts, sir, and the overall what, how I think the game will be like how armies will be effective. 
I, I don't want to work on a bunch of units that I might not even need um, mm -hmm. because I, I don't like to, um, I guess, waste money on things I'll never get to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, again, that just kind of puts everybody in the, in a limbo state right now. And, you know, it's kind of a, kind of the big question as to, you know, was this because of the situation the world's in at the moment and that they just kind of, I don't want to say panic, but they just shifted gears a bit and just decided, okay, we're going to change our game plan here a little bit and start rolling stuff out. Uh, I mean, it feels uh, a little bit like that. I, I, I would actually say that the, every the, community being on hold event-wise actually will wind up helping them um, in regards to their releases, uh, predominantly because the game will be in a... The, the release schedule will have time to progress before events start in earnest. And so we'll have more codexes out, we'll have a better idea of what the game will look like um, at the point where people actually start going to lots of events. It's just at the moment, it does make it difficult, at least for me, I guess, to um, keep our motivation up. But uh, yeah, I, well, we can't be the only ones in that in the yeah. same in the same field. But uh, well, moving on a little bit here, we know that just within the last day or so here, we've had some announcements made, um, and really, it kind of can comes on the heels of some spy shots that came out of some of the box sets that contain new new models or 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 updated box sets that contained um, models with common weaponry so uh, we can probably go through a few of them but in essence let's talk about the big thing psychic focus so you know mike what did they change with psychic focus here before we get into it i'd like to um have a moment of silence in honor of psychic focus it was <laughs> there for us throughout most of eighth and now with uh, with its passing, I uh, think that we just need to honor its sacrifice. So it is gone, but not forgotten. Yep. All right, moving on. So psychic focus um, did get an a get it addressed in the uh, Thousand Suns and Grey Knights FAQs. Uh, so there was a rule that applied to those two armies that allowed them to cast smite without the casting cost of subsequent smites increasing by one for every previous cast um effectively they said that this is a rule that was an eighth it is not a feature in ninth edition so effectively we're back in the same pool as everyone else where the more smites you cast the harder it is to cast the next smite um, however they did leave their designers notes with a sort of a comment saying that moving forward uh, as thousand suns and green knights get additional releases um, there will be more options that will, I guess, make up for the fact that we can't just machine gun smites every psychic face. Yeah. Uh, I know and that we saw pretty much every Thousand Suns army in Eighth Edition had was built around smite, right? Like our anti-vehicle options were all aligned in that direction, um, and so a lot of the a lot of the things that we have as I, I don't want to say principles, but more givens about the army and how it plays are being changed i mean even at the very core that if smite was its primary way to deal with things well that's not going to be the case so what is right and so we don't know until we get the codex i think that especially well especially with how gray knights and thousand suns were sort of 
I guess the treatment, it's like awakening. They're trying to move us away from just solving all of our problems by spiting it to death. Um, so like, for instance, Grey Knights, their weird waves chapter tactic thingy uh, does, makes them better at a things other than just being the psychic army. And I yeah. feel that with Psychic Awakening, we got more psychic powers. Though the I guess the one downside in moving into ninth is that we now have to pay CP for each detachment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're going to see different types of Thousand Suns lists, at least until a codex is released that perhaps rectifies the current limitations of the codex plus Psychic Awakening. But, um, well, I think I think if you remember back to the fall of last year, we or 2019, uh, we had quite a bit of rumors flying around, and we had everything from blue brick marines getting full smites to getting two wounds and things like that. And what's interesting about this is it, it's becoming obvious that those those were things already in talks and in the works at those times. That you know, due to printing time and lead time, you can kind of put together the the you know. The fact that your lead time to get to print, that's about the time that stuff would already be getting tested and people would be putting those things through the work. So it doesn't surprise me that those rumors came out at that time and got munged up with all the chapter approved stuff that came out. So what's interesting is a lot of the stuff that we heard could be happening and kind of, I don't want to say we're let down, but more like, yeah, that's probably not happening kind of thing. All of a sudden you realize, wow, yeah, that was happening. Um, But those are, you know, on the flip side of losing psychic focus, you do present the challenge that, okay, well, maybe, or the the premise that maybe Rubric Marines, Scarab Occult Terminators, they get full smites. Um, and some of the things that have been kind of floating around out there, maybe those are things that end up, uh, that we've been wishing for, start making their way into the Codex. I, I mean, I just, today I was looking at everything and realizing you know, a lot of the things in the community that have been wish list items for us. Um, Scarab Occult getting better. We're going to b- talk to that, about them in just a minute. Uh, Rubric Marines get, getting better. They they made them better in the, uh, in you know, by points and by the, uh, in chapter, uh, chapter or, sorry, ninth edition's rules. Uh, they've just become way better within the meta themselves. Um, and then, I mean, even Exalted Sorcerers, a lot of the things that stood out is, you know, the noisy nail, they they been hammered back down and they've been addressed so you know on on one side i look at it right now and it's kind of crappy that we're in this limbo but the bright side is they've got a good track record here with us and there's there's reason to hope so it might make sense to just kind of dig into some of these marine changes that they've announced so uh, there's a couple things that faq was that we can also uh well let's get them wrapped up then yeah so uh the other thing that the i guess a pseudo nerf if you really want to look at the way that i think is most of just people uh being silly when interpreting interpreting certain um rules in the core rule book uh they did clarify that you can't cast smite multiple times at the same psyker yeah, uh, <clears throat> that was going or getting kicked around for a while because of the way it was worded, um, and I could understand that interpretation. But Games Workshop did clarify that that was not their intention. Yeah. Um, but the other big thing, um, something that could potentially, if um, people wanted to try it, make up for the fact that smiting now kind of sucks, is that um, the power ratings for 
every unit in 40k got adjusted. Which, uh, who cares about power ratings? Well, Chaos does, because we can summon. So I've been looking through the various power ratings, and so while the the stuff people already summoned, so mostly troops, um, didn't go up or down, really. Uh, All of the really expensive big-ticket demons, so like Bloodthirsters, Lords of Change, all of them went down considerably. So like the Bloodthirster of Insensate Rage, um, which in 8th edition was 17 power level, uh, he's now only 13 power rating. So and you're rolling is, 3d6 on a normal roll to summon. Yeah, and then not even taking stratagems into account. Yeah. Now it's very easy now to summon these p- more powerful demons that you might want as your sort of reinforcements because the big thing is you can summon them in and they don't count against your detachment limits. Now That's they don't right. get detachment bonuses, but most of the demon detachment bonuses suck anyways. So I mean, a bloodthirster is still a bloodthirster, and th- your opponent doesn't want to have a bloodthirster. Short. Even I don't want to have a bloodthirster sitting there as something I I have to deal with all of a sudden. Exactly. So, um, and you know, it's a good point, Mike, because there's other things in there, like um, even the sizing of the units. Uh, so, for example, flamers now a full decked out uh, squad of just siege flamers, um, which have got some good rules now, are only nine power levels. So if you're looking at things from the Demons Codex, what's great is that would have been, what, two CP before for you to deep strike them, but now at nine, I believe it's one CP. Uh, Am I remembering that right? I believe that is correct. So I think there were some things in there that were intentional that they wanted to be able to say, okay, uh, you know, a full squad of Flamers is now much cheaper for you from a stratagem standpoint to deep strike and reserve. Um, so maybe taking that that detachment of demons becomes a lot more attractive. So they they dropped from twelve power level for a full unit down to nine. So yeah, that yes, I believe that's the case. Uh, decrease. But um, that those are the only real, um, I guess, FAQ errata things that really came out this week for us. And so now we can move on to. The main attraction for this week, the thing that yes. had David come to me and said, we need to do a podcast about this because this is <laughs> the people need answers. So, Mike, I'm seeking answers here. So, all right. Well, I will let's do uh, to let me um, <laughs> let me run through these real quick. And uh, we so what we had was a, uh, a spy shot here. And uh, Mike, I'll let you jump in and just kind of start off with our, our feedback on this. Um, they had a spy shot that came out. There is a box set. Uh, it contains a captain, company champion, company ancient, apothecary, space marine veteran, and veteran sergeant. What's key in here is that the space marine veteran and veteran sergeants have very similar uh, profiles to your standard tactical marine, along with plethora of other marine-based units. Uh, the key thing that was picked up in here are the number of wounds. So the Space Marine Veterans and Veteran Sergeant have gone up to two wounds apiece. Now, this is also confirmed, uh, I believe, on the same day that the spy photo came out by Games Workshop in one of their community posts. Uh, what they clearly said was that all of the Marine units, including things like Rubric Marines and Plague Marines, are getting this change in addition. Uh, so they will now be two wounds apiece. 
with that is also going to come a modest point increase. Uh, the example they gave with the tactical Marine would put them in at 18 points per model, uh, which is about where the rubric Marine sits right now. And if we apply relative logic to that, uh, that extrapolates out to about 23 to 24 points per model for a rubric squad. So it would sound like um, if they get the same applicable changes or point adjustment, uh, we're probably looking at about uh, 110 points to get you started with a squad of five rubric Marines. Uh, now, that wasn't all the changes that were in there. They also had some things that matched up with what we've seen uh, also announced, things like chain swords. Uh, the, the, and they were very clear in this that the Astartes variant of the chain sword is now going to be AP1. Uh, this was something that had floated around that people were kind of saying, yeah, this is coming, and now it's official. It is actually happening. Uh, a couple other uh, quick hitters here is uh, power swords are also getting plus one to strength. Uh, they are still minus three AP. However, one thing not confirmed in the G Games Workshop article, but uh, they just didn't say anything to it, but they did confirm the plus one to strength to the power sword. They did not confirm the two damage uh, or the increase in damage uh, that the power swords do, where before they were doing one apiece, now they do two apiece. What's important about this is this is the primary weapon on the Scarab Occult Terminators. And as we you know, have talked about previously on the podcast, this is something that has been holding them back. So now they will essentially, as it looks like, get plus one to strength and two damage a piece on their weapons, uh, which should be pretty interesting. And finally, there were two other changes in here that will uh, essentially affect the Thousand Suns. Uh, one kind of minor, because you'd have to use something like the Scarab Occult Terminator, or not the Scarab Occult Terminator, the uh, Sorcerer and Terminator armor, or um, a variant of the regular uh, Sorcerer that allows you to take this weapon option, which is the Power Fist, uh, which now has a uh, profile that's been reduced to flat two. However, it sounds like in doing that, they are they're going to remove the minus one to hit modifier on power fists and then finally the last one which is kind of the coup de gras here is the change that looks like the an increase to the range of all bolt weapons uh or bolt gun, or the regular bolt guns from 24 inches as we've known them for forever to 30 inches uh keeping their same profile now this could remain the same or it could remain just a thing that's being updated on veterans uh but from the looks of it, this is the kind of thing that probably is going to roll out for a lot of the other armies uh, where their range is going to become a lot more interesting. So, Mike, I'll leave it to you to kind of take it, take it from here and what your feedback is and what your thoughts are on these updates here. Well, a couple of other things that are also getting changed. So, like the um, heavy weapons are getting the change. Heavy bolters are now going to be damaged, too, uh, which uh, I, I think is gonna be pretty good um heavy bolters on hilberts have always and uh predators yep. uh always a pretty solid option and now that they're just getting more damage i'm sure that the uh, points will increase as well but i think that's a something to differentiate them from their smaller bolter equivalents uh flamers and heavy flamers are also getting an increased range of from eight inches to 12 inches um as I'm sure you're all aware, flamers have only an eight inch range means that they're useless when you're coming out of a deep strike and eight inches is just kind of wimpy. And it also um, allows your opponent to put their units like eight inch, like 8.1 inches away 
And so you can't overwatch with your flamers and then they charge in and kill you. Um, and so with a 12 inch range on the flamers, that really just opens them up to actually be a viable weapon on the defensive and as a sort of a, a, a offensive option beyond some gimmick lists involving advancing and shooting. Uh, and last but not least, uh, multi-meltas are finally putting that second barrel to use. They're going up from heavy one to heavy two. So you see, they actually shoot a melt a shot out of each barrel. Um, it's very exciting that they finally figured out how to pipe that energy through the second barrel. But uh, more importantly, uh, the they're scrapping the current melt mechanic and replacing it with a flat plus two damage bonus on the uh, meltas because the current one, one is kind of wimpy, and I don't think that the downsides taking a melta of the short range mostly um, made it preferable over like a last cannon, which could just reach out from across the table and touch somebody. I uh, like the change. I like the change to the melta though, because it it still stays a little bit swingy, like a like a last cannon, but reduces the floor and raises the ceiling. Definitely, and that's exactly what you want to see. Is it makes it more consistent. Because uh, you at least always get three damage. Um, and so really looking at it, uh, I think what they're trying to do with all these changes is, with especially with points also having been increased, they're trying to allow more room to differentiate between different types of models. So like, for instance, Guardsmen being only like one worse than Marines in every category, but being a quarter of the cost never made sense. And so they've been steadily pushing the points downs on Marines since I started playing. Uh, and now they're, I think by increasing the number of wounds on Marines, increasing the costs of things, uh, increasing the effectiveness of certain types of weapons, they're going to, we're going to see a new lease on life for a lot of these. Um, and that's a, that's a really good point, Mike, because it's like breathing room and then being able to make adjustments to things. And uh, I think as we figured out about two years ago or so, um, when we started looking at the relative point costs of things like your space marine to, say, a guardian or, um, <clears throat> you know, other relatively priced units or troop units, things like that, you started to realize how compact and compressed things were and that, okay, well, let's say we make you know, Marines two wounds at their current point cost. Well, what does that do to other things that are relative to the same points? Um, and and by essentially raising the point cost on almost everything across the board, and then making an adjustment, what we what GW has done is they've bought breathing room on everything to be able to make some finer adjustments to things. Um, like maybe lowering the cost on something now has more of an effect, or now getting around to changing things that go beyond just a point adjustment. And, you know, as we've talked about with land raiders, sometimes things just lowering the cost on something isn't fixing the problem. And there's no amount of lowering the cost you can do to get to a point where, okay, this thing is fair, but now usable. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of what they're, what they're doing right now is they're addressing some of the things that are obvious issues that, you know, are, are going to make the game in the long run a much more balanced and much more fair game, despite the fact that, yes, it is another round of updates to Space Marines, but 
as much as I hate that as much as any other Thousand Suns player, the reality is, is the game is based around those models. You know, all of the assumptions to every other army in the game are balanced to the space marines. Uh, your standard tactical marine or your standard standard primaris marine are, you know, your cornerstone to saying, okay, if they're priced th- at that, then model X needs to be priced at something else relative to that. And the everything in the game then gets based that way. Uh, so, yes, as, as much as it kind of sucks to see a release to them, you have to have this if everything else is going to go through an update. The other thing to keep in mind is that they're also adjusting other things to sort of balance around the changes. At least that's my take on it. So a good example is like, so if power swords are becoming damage too, the thing is power swords, which have traditionally been like, if you want to kill Marines in close combat, bring a power sword. Uh, And so I think that's the reason why they're doing what they're doing is that one las guns, less effective at killing power armor targets, at least, superhuman power armor targets. I'm sure sisters will still be one wound. But um, things like the Rod of the Covenant for the Triarch Praetorians. Well, in the past, it kind of sucked because it was a strength 5 AP 3 minus 1 like stick. Well, now because it's designed to be like narratively, this kills Marines. They've increased the damage to 2. And so it's still as effective against Marines as it's always been. Um, and you don't have that weird disconnect of it's effective against Marines, but not against Primaris Marines because of the wounds mm-hmm. difference. And um, I, I do think that by changing the game like this, they're again they're, they're exp- expanding their options for designing things that'll be effective against whatever they want it to be narratively to be effective against. And I do like that they have uh, effectively pledged that like weapons will all get the same sort of treatment. And so I don't think that a like a guardsman chain sword will get the AP because they do specify like this is like a, a space a power sword is, yeah. is what gets this. Um, but the fact that all bolter weapons, all flamers, all meltas will receive the same treatment means that there will be parity between the armies, but some armies have better versions of a given weapon than the other because they're just, well, it's an Astartes version, or uh, uh, actually I think that's the, or they're a, um, a Mechanicum version of certain weapons. Uh, yep. I can see getting that treatment. It um, is good to see them at least recognizing that the weapons of the Imperium have been spread across the galaxy and they're used by other armies. So the profile should be updated accordingly. And, you know, despite some some minor discrepancies and, um, you know, power level ratings and things like that, they'll, they'll eventually get around to fixing all that stuff and it will be consistent. A good example are the uh, Rubric Marines, how they were. Yeah. Go on. Uh, I was just going to point out that some one of our community members pointed out that the uh, Hellbrute for the Chaos Space Marines is one point cheaper than the Hellbrute in power levels uh, than the Thousand Suns variant of the Hellbrute. So um, I haven't had a chance to jump in and really <laughs> try and figure out why, but uh, as far as I know, there's no difference between those two models, and there should be no difference in power level. The only thing so, that comes to mind is that the uh, Hellbrute is doesn't benefit from the Thousand Suns Legion trait. Right, but the Chaos Space Marine one is cheaper. 
Oh wait, really? Yeah. Huh. I, I got that. Yeah. Back. So so that doesn't make sense. And if you were to say, okay, let's say, oh well, they have psychic powers and things like that. No, that would then mean, well, shouldn't the Forge Fiend then be out of whack and the Defiler be out of whack? Like, wouldn't that apply to a whole lot of other stuff that we do share commonalities, the Rhino, things like that? But I think that's just a very good reason to think that it's a misprint. I mean, Psychic Hellbrutes, that that sounds great. It's almost used as a Psychic Dreadnought. Yeah, yeah, I would take a Psychic Hellbrute. It would make a great strategy under the Codex. Uh, Just upgrade it, just kind of like they did with Knights. I literally no bottling you have to change or anything. Uh, I do miss the uh, 7th edition um, formation where you could have a Hellbrute with his uh, squad of like little follower guys who followed him, like the cultists who followed him around and literally they would throw themselves in front of the Hellbrute in order to protect it. And because it was a character, I believe you could actually make it a a Psyker as well. And it's just this I do want to see them, yeah. I, I do want to see them do more of that in, in ninth edition where they, they make cultists more of that kind of unit where they they're cheap and meaningless. So throw them at the guns, get them in the way and make them just take damage. So other stuff doesn't. Think? I was actually just thinking about it. So there's this weird dichotomy of, so you want to take small squads because you want to avoid blast. But you don't want to take very small squads because if you fall to three models or lower, you can't uh-huh. look out, sir. But the other thing is that with the change to morale, you no longer have this weird case where morale either is super important or it doesn't matter at all. Um, effectively, it seems to me like morale will always be a potential issue, um, but it's not as huge of a deal. So... Let's say, okay, I have a squad of 40 cultists. If I lose 20 cultists in 8th edition, well, now all the cultists are going to run away. But if I lose 20 cultists in this edition, well, now I'm just going to lose another 6 cultists. But you still have a bunch of cultists mm-hmm. left over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm actually... I mean, on the flip side of that, you on- do take... You do take more shots from things like blast weapons. Well, yeah, yeah, but so that's the, that's the big decider, really, is how prevalent is blast, and yeah. um, if and that will really be a, a thing that would determine is determined by how the meta really falls out. Uh, I'm interested to see whether the horde armies are actually going to wind up being a little tougher than they were before, predominantly because you just completely ignore morale. Um, and obviously, certain armies like Orcs and Tyranids didn't really care about morale in the first place. Guard don't really care about it in 8th edition either because you just had 10-man squads. And, well, anything can kill 10 Guardsmen. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think that we're, it's going to be interesting watching this going forward because Bla- the, like, the, the specter of Blast is like overwhelming. But yeah. is it really going to be as bad as we're expecting? Uh, I just this is uh, definitely one of those things where I think it's a very well designed rule uh, set of rules uh, because it makes you it makes the meta determine what needs to be done. It doesn't necessarily imply that one or the other is good, right? If everybody just kind of gravitates towards blast weapons, well then okay, that kind of makes that decision for you. 
But then if people kind of gravitate away from it, then, okay, we start to work our way back to it. It, it, it is the same thing around the number of shots you get on weapons. Uh, you know, you can you can probably look at a whole but a whole swath of other aspects of the game. But something to me that makes a lot of sense is when players have to make choices and something being good or not is dependent on the choices that the players ends up making is a good rule. And especially with the number of shots not being per like for purposes of last not being based off of per dice, but instead being based off of just like flat, um, mm-hmm. like whatever. Yeah, I mean, th- the fact th- it, it th- actually it hurts some of the more popular blast weapons like thunderfire cannons because they literally don't benefit from their blast rule until they're firing at super large squads. Right, or the say the vindicator. Like, let's say you've got 10 cultists. Okay, your Vindicator is going to get max shots at 10 cultists. Uh, okay. I mean, that's six. Probably dead cultists, but not quite six, maybe five, four or five. To me, that doesn't that doesn't scare me. Like, the D6 weapons that are firing that, because they're not... If, if, if The other way to look at it is... If they're if they're firing their vindicators at my cultists, they're not firing the vindicators at say Magnus or things that I really don't want that gun shooting at. Exactly. Um, and so I I am looking forward to that. The uh, I did find it funny that they did wind up f changing the the wording on the uh, lookout sir this week um, to is actually. So effectively, it's a little weird that the, what they did. Uh, so it actually, so they added an additional bullet point to the thing. So now, non-character vehicles in monsters still block as normal, but if you're a character vehicle or character model, you don't actually block line of sight until you have ten wounds or more. I think it really it, what all this does is it blocks out. Things like the character dreadnoughts and the um, like, demon princes from blocking mm-hmm. for lookout, mm-hmm. sir. Which is significant, but not crazy bad, right? I mean, it's yeah. something you have to factor in. Um, so, if I'm looking at Thousand Suns right now, I'm I'm looking at things like Scarabacult Terminators, and I'm looking at things, the fact that they'll get plus one strength two damage in combat with their power swords. They've got some fantastic bolters, even if they stay at 24 inches. I could still make really good use of them. They definitely, to me, my, my consensus now is if that holds true and this really is what happens with them, they now get three wounds apiece, which is, I mean, cult of time. These things are amazing. Uh, they're fixed, in my opinion. Do you agree? If every with everything that we've seen and like the, even the changes to like the Inferno Heavy Flamer, um, oh yeah, see that get used potentially because you can deep strike the Terminators. They come in, they flame, um, and if they unlock full smites for the Thousand Sun Sergeants, I, I think that we've got a definite winner here in terms of yep. coming into the new edition strong. Uh, assuming that we get everything that. We like we're looking at here that th- uh, Scarabacults are going to be in a good position. Um, I, I do think that the addition has been kind of cruel <laughs> to Zangors and cultists. Um, yeah, but I, I think that the parts of the Thousand Suns army that I like are uh, in a very good spot. 
Now, I was thinking about Zangors earlier today, and I was realizing that they were making myself remember, essentially, that they do have another option other than the Zangor blades that everybody takes today. The reason is that gives plus one attack. A Chainsword gives plus one attack. And the only thing that the Chainsword option gets you is the fact that they can fire some pistols, then charge in and attack, but you don't have any AP. Now, hypothetically, let's say they improve the Chainsword to AP1 for Zangors, and they say, you know what? They're close enough. They have they have a chainsaw that is not a guardsman esque chainsaw. Uh, would it make sense for them to make those bolt pistols AP two infernal bolt pistols? Could you see that being a realistic change to them, where they've got AP two bolt pistols and AP one chainsaws? Now I can take that option. Maybe it doesn't cost the same as it does today. Maybe it's more expensive than the blades but gives you a whole lot different outlook there in terms of what you can get from them. Or does that kind of fall into the, yeah, you know what, they're probably going to leave them as AP0 chainsaws on the Zangors, and the trend has been just don't mess with the Zangors at all for now. I mean, so looking at the current profile, the trade-off between chainsaws and Zangor blades is the fact that chainsaws do get auto pistols. Um, I, I don't see them changing the Zangor's loadout. Um, the bonus, the Astartes chainswords. Um, and I mean that that's fair because they didn't get the hateful assault as well. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what they wind up doing with the Zengors. Uh With 8th edition, Zengors dominated the sort of Thousand Suns troop slots. We only really saw Thousand Suns like Rubens get see the table towards the end of things. And with the move into 8th and the changes to blasts and everything, I, I don't think Zengors are in a very good spot at the moment. Uh, just because of the how much all of the power armor uh, units are getting, at least potentially. Um, and yeah. I, I do think that they've definitely sort of slotted in Zangors as the, they're slightly tougher cultists uh, and stronger cultists, uh, but they're still not like a Stardis level threats. Yeah. And you still have the trouble getting them into combat. There isn't even with the shorter board, you still are probably going to deep strike them. And yeah. yes, we have Gaze of Fate, and you can give them the Brayhorn to get plus one. So we we in essence still have the same charge probabilities that we had in Eighth Edition. It, you know, based on the utility that we have, it should be this, exactly the same. What's different is the cost of the unit now and the two nerfs that they've essentially taken. So, like I just said, they didn't get hateful assault. They got a point increased in chapter approved for some reason. And then they now in chapter approved 2020 get another uh, point increase for some reason. And that's just part of the, you know, I guess the merger over to ninth edition, but no changes. So it could be that you know, it could be along the lines of the question I'm asking is, 
did some of these units get changes, point changes, that take into account these new weapon profiles that are already going to be released? And and are we going to see an update come out and say, you know what, tactical Marines did get this change, but we didn't upgrade them in chapter approved because they're getting reprinted in their codex, so there wasn't that big of a deal. But for units like Rubric Marines, Scarab Occult, the units that were going to be waiting a while for their codex to come out and update those points and profiles accordingly, you're going to have to have a time period here where, okay, yeah, they do get access or they have access to, say, power swords and things like that. So we need to adjust the points accordingly ahead of time, right? Yeah. I, I, and maybe, I, that, maybe that answers that. I don't know. So I, I think the points increase we saw in the 2019 chapter approved was predominantly as a result of them sort of looking at the data and seeing which units are being taken more than their other options in their slots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, if you look at the what got points increases is Aramon and Zengors. And then all the things that didn't get taken got the points reductions for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Chapter of 2020, well, that's them rebalancing the edition. Uh, but I believe, based off of the article that they put out, that we shouldn't expect them to roll out sweeping changes to units as they uh, introduce, like, so for instance, Space Marines are getting their new codex very soon. Uh, I don't think they're going to put out a thing that says, okay, all flamer weapons and all bolters get blah, blah, blah. I, I think what we should expect is that as the codexes get rolled out, they'll be updating the entries on a codex by codex level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible that I could be mistaken on the weapons, but I don't think they'll be doing it at least for the unit profiles on a, the same sort of piece moment. Yeah, uh, like saying, hey, they have the Astartes grade chainsword versus they don't, the that kind of thing. main reason why I say that is one of the chief complaints about uh, some of the like getting later into the editions is okay, well, I have to have my rule book and my codex, and well, I also have to have a printout of the chat, the FAQ saying that my stuff now does this. Um, I, I think that at least initially they're going to try to avoid sort of pushing that button because I, I can't tell you the number of times I've gone to just a store for a pickup game. And got yeah. an argument with the guy because he's a casual player. He doesn't check the FAQs, and I keep up with the FAQs, so I know that my rules mm-hmm. have changed. But he doesn't agree because my codex doesn't say that, and so then I right. have to produce the thing. It's right. I, I think they're trying to avoid that. So the, you you definitely see some pain getting caused there. I wonder if that pushes people towards you know having enough pain from trying to keep track of that all where you can. Or you just go and buy the app that they just launched, right? And maybe, you know, to a, to a degree of thinking from a from from a business standpoint, is as I don't want to say it's shady, but it's in the mo of how a lot of companies manage their their apps and their software. They make it so painful for you to to use, say, the free and basic features that if you just upgrade and give us money, well, now everything really works the way it should, and you get everything in a nice, organized, up to date fashion. And I could see GW doing something similar where it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? We're going to charge you for that experience, but you can have it. And that's how thing, that's how we're going to operate. And, you know, so you're almost not forced into it, but kind of forced into having to, to get the app. 
Yeah, and with the digital editions, they never, at least in my opinion, sold very well. Uh, and you, they, while they did get updated as FAQs were put out, they, unless you were on, I want to say an Apple device, they didn't update automatically. Um, whereas <clears throat> with the app, as they put out new editions of codexes and the FAQ things, they, it's much easier for them to patch the digital edition. Um, yeah, and a different. This is a different. Information. This is also a different digital product too, right? This is a, a combination of you can buy the book, and then you can scan that in and own the app and, and access it digitally. Uh, and this is also live updates via the the app. Whereas before, I, I don't know that the live updates were ever something that was really marketed and promoted as a core. We're going to do this for you for everything. It was more. Yeah, you might get, if there's an update, we might get around to updating it. I mean, case in point, there were things with the Thousand Suns Digital Codex where, you know, they didn't update it uh, or they they had inconsistencies between what was in the digital one and what was actually in the printed FA. Um, I'm thinking Power Swords on the Exalted Sorcerer's example. So, yeah. you know, all in all, though, I think the army is looking healthier and healthier in a vacuum relative to what's going on elsewhere in the army in the game i'm unsure because uh, it still comes back to the whole limbo mode that we're in right now and and you know what could be coming down the pipeline so that's probably a good segue for us to kind of start to you know start the conversation here on what do you think is going to happen over the next few months i mean i think what we're going to see in these effectively some growing pains for the new edition um, as codexes roll out, we'll get a better idea of what to expect. Um, with them being up front that, hey, Marines are getting this. All Marine equivalents will be getting the same things Marines get when they get their codexes. And that the like certain classic weapons are also going to be changing uh, with the new edition. I, I think that we're going to see a fairly big shakeup of what is and is not good currently. Um, and until the COVID finally gets sort of taken care of and we get our first like sort of batch of codexes and we see the first couple of big events actually get played out like in a medium that people actually watch, yeah. uh, the meta won't actually take shape. And so with everything with these, interesting bit about hordes versus blast weapons versus lookout sir uh until we have an idea of what the local meta is going to look like it's very difficult to design a list and so uh, i find it difficult to make informed choices as to what i want to buy um and so there's certain decisions kind of that need to be reacted right versus yeah being being more proactive based on the rules that are there. So I think people that as they put box sets out, people will buy the uh sort of their passion projects. But I actually I expect a sales dip for Games Workshop as the people like me who are a little more cautious wait for things to sort of take shape before we start planning our first ninth edition armies. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know I definitely uh kind of echo what you just said. I think um I think I'm very worried for the guys running LBO. Uh, I think the 
possibility of that event not happening is very real uh, and that it just or it won't be what it was obviously last year but i think i think it's going to come back once things settle down for sure but uh i think the the worry i have is that i i don't see things improving fast enough where people are going to feel comfortable enough not just getting on an airplane but then getting into a crowded facility with people and you know again it's just a game and as much as we love this and and spend lots of time doing this and are passionate about it it's you know a personal decision for a lot of people whether they go or they don't go Uh, some people aren't exposed to other folks as much and so it's a little bit easier for them to make that decision maybe but you know, I, I don't think the guarantee of that event actually happening as we've seen it happen in the past years is a realistic thing this year. Even a lot of other tournaments that have canceled, major tournaments, have canceled this year. And those are those are your key milestones in the game for measuring where things are. Think about the podcasts and you know, all the data we pour over that comes out of the um, uh, the lists and the statistics and everything around how many of a certain unit are being taken or anything. And it's not that it's not that we can't look at the rules of the books and say, yeah, that makes sense. It's more it needs to be validated. It needs to be confirmed that this really is what people are doing or people just read into this and realize that it's too easily countered by X, Y and Z or something else. Um, and that's kind of where the real value is in a lot of that stuff, and it tells you where the game is going. I mean, we saw we saw some stuff like that at the beginning of Eighth Edition, where people were kind of feeling out the game, feeling out what worked and what didn't. It still took a good six months or so before. I mean, we saw some some shining stars and some lists that were really good. I remember Gilliman and Fire Raptors being a list that you know it just kind of stood out, like oh, okay, it works. Why did you uh, have but to then up again. <laughs> <laughs> but you but know. that's kind of the thing like as much as we're missing out right now i'm sure there are some gimmicky lists like that that we're, we're not seeing that people have thought of and i haven't thought of uh, but y- you you're missing out on that and you're missing out on the validation of whether those things can survive or the issues that are lingering out there that would say you know put a certain list on the bench that are not going to put a list on the bench because that gets patched or fixed and the the speed at which something like that gets fixed, I think, will be a lot lower because you don't have a, you don't have enough games being played. So, you know, I'm 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 looking at the next, you know, just between just between now and LVO, I think I think things will improve. I think the holidays. Uh, the more I look at this, uh, the first two codexes are going to come out in November. That's going to be or October. Uh, that's going to be Space Marines and Necrons. My guess is by then they're going to have the next two codexes coming out. Um, they're probably going to design the original codex for Space Marines to work with all the supplements so they don't have to go through another Space Marines 2.0 release like we got last year. Um, and we you know, pray that it's not anything like we saw last year. Uh, but uh, I think they'll they'll ship a couple um, they'll ship a couple codexes in October. That'll give us something to get some bearings on. We'll know what the next two are that are coming. Um, I I don't know that off the top of my head we know what those are. Um, and then 
we'll probably have the holiday release be the Forge World rewrite uh, that we know it has been done. And at least based on some of the keyword uh, changes that we've seen, there's a lot of stuff that we have, like Hellforged units, that seem to be something that are going to stay. Uh, but what they actually do with them and the points and the rules and everything, we don't know. So that's that's a big curveball here coming. And, you know, that that's going to give us a lot to talk about at the end of the year. Um, and then next year, it's obviously just the codex. So the point at which we have critical mass, I think, is probably a good six codexes or so, uh, which is about three months worth of releases. So I don't anticipate us even having a good foundation of armies until February at the minimum, because if you think January being the last release there, then you've got people that have to dissect it and digest it and put their list together and get them out there and test them and refine them. I think we're, you know, that lead time keeps getting pushed out and more, more armies keep rolling out over that time period there next year. So you know, we're, in my opinion, we're at least in, you know, a, a six to eight month window of limbo here away from being at a point where we can really say, okay, I really have a good lay of the land. I have a good understanding of what we've got. Um, but I also think that time is going to go by a lot faster than we think. I mean, yeah, this year has gone by very fast. I mean, the one thing they also keep in mind about the release schedule is with them folding all of the non Grey Knight Loyalist Space Marines into a single codex, uh, it'll vastly increase the schedule because we won't have to have a Space Spring Codex interspersed between every other faction's codex. Do you think they're going to do the same same thing for Chaos Space Marines? I certainly hope they do. Um, it would solve the age-old problem of, well, Chaos Space Marines got these new releases, but nobody else can touch those new releases. It's just for Chaos Space Marines. Um, it would solve the model range issue for Thousand Suns in particular. Um, I don't know that Death Guard would benefit from that. Um, they have a very expansive model range of their own. But for Thousand Suns at least, I think that having a comprehensive just Chaos Space Marines mm-hmm. uh, codex would do nothing but help them. So become more aligned with what regular Space Marines have where they have the supplements would just give you the you know the lore and the 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 additional the add-ons to the other other codex that lets you run from there. The other thing though is that the I, I don't the other loyalist space marines they don't have the same type of thing as the cults. Um, mm-hmm. So effectively, if you're playing Blood Angels, you're just Blood Angels, or if you're you're just Space mm-hmm. Wolves, or you're just Dark Angels. They ha- they got some Psychic Awakening stuff, but it's nowhere near to the same degree as the Thousand Suns, for in particular. Uh, and so it's possible that they'll keep Thousand Suns and Death Guard separated as a result. And do they have the same? Do any of the Space Marine Legions have the same type of restrictions that, say, Thousand Suns have, where they don't get access to things like maybe Thunderfire can? I mean, the only legion, uh, chapter that has a uh, restriction is on the Black Templars, because they cannot take Psychers. Which is fair, but think about that for a second. Chaos Space Marines, 
the supplement structure for Marines works because everybody has access to everything. It's ubiquitous. It's the Imperium. With chaos, they've re- they've done these baked these restrictions in where you can't have say a non dust boy in the Thousand Suns, so you can't take havocs and you can't take things like that. But that's kind of my my contention with doing a similar style structure where they share all the same units. You're still going to have to do something where they say, well, you can't take X unit or you know the following units you cannot take. And and that makes it much more reasonable to do a Thousand Sons Death Guard separate codex and maybe even a World Eaters Emperor's Children uh, separate codex in the same tone. So, you know, my hope is that they, they do that and then they keep the Black Legion and Undivided Legions grouped up in the main core codex. We'll have to see what happens. It's a lot of time between now and next year. A lot of codexes to come out, a lot of uh, lot more info to come out. But uh, Mike, is there anything uh, you want to add here at the end? I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it because usually I tease about this. Oh, yeah? Magnus Smith. Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong, did he? Nope. I'm, I'm proud to say that he did nothing wrong.